Well, turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, we continue, of course, our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If, if maybe you haven't been here before, we go through the Bible verse by verse, passage by passage. So we've been in Matthew for a while, and now we're in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew presents Jesus as the King of the Jews. And we're at a turning point in, the, in his life and ministry. The rejection has begun, the rejection by the religious leaders, even his hometown, and now Jewish people as a whole. The people, they don't want to see Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior. They want to see him as someone who maybe can remove the Romans. And so as Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem in his death and resurrection, he encounters conflict in opposition. This morning we see some scribes and some Pharisees come and they're going to get on to Jesus and they say that his disciples transgress through tradition. So we're going to look at two things this morning as we go through this. One is we're going to look at tradition and the contrast between tradition and the Word of God. And then we're going to look at sin. Where does it come from? Because the religious leader said sin is what is outside. It's what you do, like if you don't wash your hands right, you know, that's sin. And Jesus is going to say, no, no, it's not that way. Sin comes from within, and we'll see it as we go through it. So there's a lot there. Traditions are good. When we say traditions, you know, there are different responses there. Uh, some of you have fond memories of things that you did. I mean, there's a book by... Uh, Shirley Dobson and Linda Dillow, which, is a, which declared traditions for families, and, and that was a good thing. And a lot of you have traditions. I remember in our family, we opened Christmas, uh, on Christmas Eve, we always opened our presents, and my dad had this red vest that he would put on every year, and then I would, I would got to be the one, he would call out a name, and I would get to take the present. That's, that's what we did. Most of you have traditions like that. Our church has traditions, if you think about it. At the start of the school year, we always have a fellowship supper and some games and food and baptisms, things like that. And then we have a gigantic Thanksgiving meal, which is coming up, which I can hardly wait. And then on, on basically on Christmas Eve, we always have a Christmas Eve service. And when you know, it started, with the first time we did it, we thought, well, we don't know how many people will come. It was full, and it's been that way ever since. So we love traditions. But traditions are great, but sometimes they can play the, take the place of truth. And you hear things like, sometimes people say, we've always done it this way, which sometimes usually leaves no room for correction or change. This morning, the religious leaders come to Jesus, and they declare that his disciples are breaking their traditions, traditions of hand-washing. I'll explain it to you because you think, what do you mean, hand-washing? They didn't, they didn't wash before they ate? What is this talking about? Well, we're going to see what he says to them. And Jesus really, really not only tells them that, but he, he calls them hypocrites, and then he talks about where sin really comes from. Well, the rejection has begun. And the best you can tell is if you're just studying through the Bible, we're thinking that it's about a year before Jesus actually goes to Jerusalem and to die for the sins of mankind. But he's already beginning to change because up to this point, he's been declaring that he was the king of Israel to the Jewish people. But we noticed that just recently, he's now discipling just, just his men, and he's not proclaiming that anymore. He's actually starting to say that I'm going to Jerusalem. I'll be put to death. Three days later, I'll rise again. We're going to find in the Gospel of Matthew five times he's going to say he's going to die and rise again. As we look at this passage this morning, the religious leaders come to him. Now, they come a long way to come to him. He's in the northern part of Israel there in Jerusalem. We'll see what happens. Let me break down the passage for you. We're going to see the religious leaders challenge Jesus, and then we're going to see that Jesus challenges the religious leaders. I love it when, when you see those kind of things. And then in verses 10 through 20, we're going to see Jesus talks about sin. That'll help all of us as we think through this. So I want you to look at that we're going to see that Jesus is in the northern part of Israel. Let me, let me remind you of where he is. 
Jesus' headquarters is Capernaum. Now you go way back over here, it's not on the map, that's where he grew up in Nazareth, and then he came to Capernaum, and that's the headquarters. We know he's gone to Gennesaret, he goes to Basidio, we think the Sermon on the Mount was right there. He's gone all the way down here to the place called Gadara, or the Gadarenes, that's where those pigs went running into the water. He's gone to Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was from. He's, so he's been all over this whole part. Every now and then he goes to Jerusalem because all Jewish men three times a year, had to go to Jerusalem for the feast. And since he kept the law perfectly, he would do that. Well, we're going to see that the religious leaders are going to come. In fact, that's what we're going to see. Religious leaders challenge Jesus. Look at chapter 15. Uh, look at verse, verse 1. It says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why did your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they did not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now that, that sounds like, what, what are you talking about? You mean they don't wash their hands? What are we talking about? Religious leaders, of course, you know, the Pharisees were religious leaders. They started out good. The word Pharisee actually means to separate. It was supposed to be a group of men that after they came back from the captivity and they came back to Israel and they rebuilt the wall, they rebuilt the temple, they did everything right. They said, we're going to set ourselves apart and be holy men. And that sounded real good, except they made up a whole bunch of rules. Instead of just following the Bible, they came up with all kind of laws and all kind of rules and everything uh, with their relationship with God. In fact, there was a thing called the oral teaching, which which later was written down, became known as the Mishnah. Now, they would say, you're not supposed to do this. Then later, it was written down called Mishnah, and they would take the Mishnah and they would say, well, the Mishnah says this, and the Bible says this. That's the same. The Mishnah is just as good as the Bible. In fact, uh, we find in some places, they would actually say the oral teachings, which were later, later written down, the Mishnah is just as important or more important than the Bible. That's what they thought sometimes. And so there were many rules and many commands. And the scribes, by the way, it says Pharisees and scribes. Scribes were the people that originally copied the Bible. They became known as the scholars. And so if you had a Bible question, you might not necessarily go to a Pharisee because you might not like them. But if you had a Bible question, you might go to a scribe and ask them questions about the Torah or the Bible, and they would tell you. Now, it says, some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem. If you remember their headquarters, the capitals in Jerusalem, if you look at the map, this is where Jesus is, way up here. It's Capernaum and Magdala and Tiberias and Bethsaida, and there, of course, is Nazareth and Cana. But the religious leaders live way down here in Jerusalem. And there's, of course, Bethlehem and where the Herodium was. And they made a trip. Listen, Jesus is causing so much issues that the religious leaders have decided they're going to go confront Jesus about all the things that he's doing. So they left Jerusalem, and they've gone all the way up, most likely to Capernaum. We're not sure exactly where it is, but it's most likely Capernaum. And they've come with a reason, and they've come to trap him. Religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus or to trick him so they can discredit his ministry. And they're going to start off by saying, your disciples are not doing right Therefore, you obviously aren't doing right. And that's what they want to do. They want to get him, and they're trying to trap him. So look at verse 2. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
but they don't wash their hands. They do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Well, what in the world are they talking about? He says they've overstepped, they've transgressed, they've broken the traditions of the elders. Now, the traditions were transmitted information. He says your disciples overlook the traditions. And then they say they don't wash their hands when they eat. Well, what are they talking about? Well, I want you to understand that a normal Jewish person at that time, they didn't like Gentiles. And so when they would go out into the community, when they go out into the market, when they go out to work, when they go out to whatever they do, they sometimes came in contact with Gentiles. And so they would say that when you get back, before you can eat, you have to wash your hands because you've been contaminated by Gentile people. That's how they thought especially the religious leaders. And so they had rules and rituals. And by the way, I just want you to understand that they didn't come in and say, anybody got some water? Here, okay, I'm ready. They had a way, according to Alfred Edershon and some others who know Jewish culture very well, they would come in and they had to pay, it had to be exactly the right amount, four ounces. They had to put it in the palm of their hands. They had to take their fist. They could do it this way, do it this way. The water had to come down at least past the wrist, and then sometimes they had to come to the elbow, it's just, if, according to how religious you were. And so they did all this. If you didn't wash your hands that exact way, you had broken the tradition of the, of the elders, as they called it. And so, obviously, Jesus and his, and his disciples weren't doing that all the time, and the, the word is spread that they don't wash when they come uh, from the Gentiles. They... Um, there were two famous rabbis at the time of Jesus. One was named Hillel, and another one was named Shammai. And uh, Shammai was more conservative. Hillel was a little bit more on the liberal side. They had a thing that, as they, beside this Mishnah, they had a thing called the Talmud. And sometimes the Talmud was put above the Scripture as well. And so uh, you remember the Gospel of John where Jesus went to a wedding? And remember, they, uh, they ch- he changed the water to wine? There were these big water pots that he changed the water to wine. That water in those water pots was where they would come in and make sure they washed their hands just right because they might have touched a Gentile. And so they look at Jesus and they say, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders for they don't wash their hands when they eat bread? And so the religious leaders were actually saying that Jesus Christ and his disciples were were violating the traditions. Now, you have to be really careful on traditions because sometimes traditions just, they they get in the way. I read a story about a a guy that uh, took over a church. Uh, It became a pastor. The church had been there for years and years and years. And every time they had the Lord's Supper, they would line up to come to the pastor and he sat down there and they had this ritual that... Before he would give somebody the drink, he would touch the radiator. And, and, and that went on every time. And people said, what, what is this coming from? And, and the pastor said, I don't know. They just told me that whenever I do it, I have to touch the radiator. They finally traced it all the way back that in the early days that when people would come down there, there would be static electricity. And if he touched them to give them the cup, it would shock them. So they said, well, touch something and then you can give it out. And that became such a tradition that even the, the pastor and the people for, for a long time didn't know why you do it. So sometimes traditions are good and sometimes traditions are bad. Now, you've got to be real careful when you have a tradition or something you think is good and you make that on par with the Bible. And some people say, you can't do this. 
You can't wear those clothes. You can't go do this because we say that's right or wrong. Well, that's a tradition or that's something that you made up. And you've got to be real careful when you make your traditions equal with the Bible. So what is Jesus going to say about all this? Well, Jesus is going to challenge the religious leaders. And what does he say? Watch. And he answered and said to them, verse 3, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Now, that is a strong statement. He just looked at him and said, you violate the Bible with your traditions. The word transgress there means to overstep. And he's, he's saying, you transgress the word of God. And he says, because of your traditions, your traditions cause you to break the word of God. And he would... You could say, well, wait a minute, how about, how about washing your hands if you're doing that? Well, he's not talking about that. There's another tradition he's about to name. And if, when I read it to you earlier, you may have said, what is he talking about in this passage? Look at verse 4. He said, let me remind you, he said, why do you transgress the commands of God for your sake of tradition. What were they doing? He says, for God says, honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks over the father and mother shall be put to death. Well, we know that the Bible said in Exodus 20, verse 12, to honor your mother and father in Exodus 21, 17. Don't speak ill of your mother and father. He's basically saying, you're supposed to honor your mother and father. And he says, so whoever says to his mother and father, now watch, this is where the problem came in. But you say, the Bible says, honor your mother and father, but you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would, would help you has been given to God. Now, what in the world is he talking about? Okay, in that day and time, you know, the culture is very similar even to our culture. When people get older, mamas and daddies get older, sometimes we're there to help them. In fact, the Bible actually says you're to help your family. And it talks about if there are widows or widows and deeds, the family is to help the family. And even in that day and time, when a, when a mama and a daddy got really older and they couldn't take care of themselves, the family was supposed to take care of them. But there was a thing that the religious leaders did. They would say, when their father or mother said, we need some help, they would say, oh, I'd really like to help you, but what I could give to you, I've already given to God. It's called a Corbin, which means a gift. And they would say, instead of me being able to give to my mother and father and take care of them, I've already promised this to God. Now, that didn't mean they gave it to God. That means they promised it to God, and they still used it then and sometimes used it up before they ever gave it away. But they used it to say, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. I don't have anything to give you because I already promised this to God. That's called a Corbin. Jesus is challenging them that. He says, but you say, whoever says to your father or mother, whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. They didn't help. They, they, want, they didn't want to get to help, so they claimed it a Corbin that was a gift. In chapter Mark chapter 7, let me just read this to you. I don't want you to have to turn there. But of course, you know Mark, Matthew, Mark. Mark is right after Matthew. But let me read to you from Matthew chapter 7, from Mark chapter 7. It says this. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever I have that would have helped you is now a Corbin that is given to God, you no longer do anything for your mother and father and thus invalidate the word of God by your tradition. So Jesus calls them on it. They say, y'all not washing your hands right. And he says, 
you're violating the scripture to honor your mother and father because what you're supposed to give to your mother and father, you say it's a gift to God and you don't give it to your mother and father and you use it for yourself. That's really what they did. And he goes on and says in verse 6, he is not to honor his father and his mother and by this you invalidate the word of God for your sake of traditions. He says the Corban, that was the gift to God. The gift is promised to God so they're not able to help their parents. And thus... Man's tradition supplant God's word. That's what was happening. Now, we don't see that kind of thing today. I mean, not these kind of rules, but we don't have the hand-washing thing. But sometimes people put traditions or things they want above the word of God. And we've got to be really careful when our rules and our things that we make up uh, don't fit. I remember Fiddler on the Roof. I think Fiddler on the Roof is coming back out again, and I love the movie because it's really a powerful thing. And this Tevye's at the beginning of the movie, and the very first song in the movie is called Tradition. And he goes, Tradition. You know, I'm not going to sing. I'll help you out on that one. And But at the song, he sings it over and over, Tradition, Tradition, Tradition. And then he goes, And why do we do it? I don't know. That's what he says in the song. I don't know. And there's so many traditions that people have that they don't know why they do them. If you ask the Jewish people. Why in the world would you have a Corbin, which means what I have, I promise to God so I can't help my family. Why would you do that? Well, they did that so they wouldn't have to give their money away. That's what they were thinking. Look what he says to them in verse 7. He says, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. He calls them a hypocrite. We know what a hypocrite is. It means to be under the mask. It means to pretend to be something you're not. They pretended to be religious. They pretended to be loving God. They pretended to be loving their family. But when it came right down to it, they said, I'm not giving my money to my mom and daddy. I'll just pretend it's promised to God and then I'll get to keep it. And look what he says to them. This is Isaiah. And this is Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13, he says, the people honors me. The people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. They said they honor me, they, but with their lips, they say all the good things about God, but deep down they're far away because they do one thing, or they say one thing, and they do another. And that's, that's what you get. They worshiped their response. They responded in vain. That's why it says they worship in vain because there's nothing. They teach the precepts of the commandments of people. Got to be really careful when we put anything above the word of God. It is so easy to make the Christian life a set of rules. So be careful when you make the Christian life a set of rules. Listen, I want to give you two things. Number one, is for any time we put a man-made rule above God's word, we sin. I've told this story before, so, uh, but I know it. So I'm not losing my mind. I know I've told this story, but I want you to remember, I went to a church in Missouri. I went to visit some people in Missouri one time, and they were my friends, and they said, J.B., you would not believe this little church that is right up from our house. you got to see it. We got in the car. We drove up. It was on a Saturday. Nobody was there. Church was open in those days. We opened the door, and there was a little bitty foyer, and then... There were two doors that went into what they called the auditorium. And above those two doors was a sign that said, all of those who are in this fellowship agree that we will not do the following things. Smoke, chew, go to movies, play cards. Get. They had like 30 things listed there. And see, in their minds, this is spirituality. Tell all the rules and things we're not going to do. Well... You've got to be really careful when you put man-made rules above the Word of God. 
And then the second thing is be careful not to add to the Word of God, not to do it. That's what the religious leaders did. That's why they came up with the Mishnah, the Gomorrah, the Talmud, all of those things were all started out as, well, this is a good idea. You know, I've told you all the story. You know it. About on, on the Sabbath day, they had the rules that if you've got mud on you, since, since you couldn't work on the Sabbath day, you had to let it dry, and then you could hit three times. That's all. If you, if you hit more than three times, you were working. See, they had those stupid rules that invalidated the word of God. And so we've got to be really careful. So Jesus challenges the religious leaders. Let me tell you what he just did. Right in front of everybody, he calls them hypocrites. And he says they invalidate the Bible for their traditions. Look what happens then. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he called the people. And he said, listen. He said to them, hear and understand, it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man. It's not eating with unwashed hands that mess you up, but what proceeds out of the mouth that defiles the man. And he's basically saying, be really careful, because what Jesus is going to do is he's going to teach you about sin and where it comes from, and realize that sin comes from within. It's the heart, not from the outside. And so he calls the crowd and says, be careful. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. People say to him, you can't eat that. You can't eat that. Jesus said, it's not what goes in that causes the problem. It's what comes out that causes the problem. And uh, uh, Mark Twain said, you know, we're all like the moon. We have a dark side. And, and let, let me show you something about what we're like. This is an unbeliever. Unbeliever has a body, has a soul, which is the part that relates to the world. It has a mind, emotion, and will. has a conscience. Uh, the Bible tells us that the conscience has the word of God written on our hearts. Even unbelievers know rights from wrong. And then we have a flesh, which is the part sometimes called the old man in the Bible. It's sometimes called the bent to sin. It's called the flesh. It's a natural bent to sin. Every one of us in this room have that natural bent to sin. Now, when we become a believer, we have a human spirit that we're born again. We're a, a new creation in Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. But you notice we still have the bent to sin. And where sin comes from is from within. It doesn't come from without. Now, we may be tempted from without and things like that, but actual sin comes from inside of us in the flesh. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7 that in his flesh no good thing dwells. Nothing dwells good within the flesh. So we see that. And so he bottom line said that whatever enters in the man is not from the mouth, defiles him, but proceeds out. So the bottom line is whatever you eat or drink or wear, it's not sin. That sin is from the inner man and from the flesh. So he goes on. Then the disciples came to him, and look what happened. They said, don't you know the Pharisees were offended when you said this? Well, of course, yeah, they're offended because they're religious leaders who believe in the wrong thing and Jesus never beats around the bush. Jesus tells it exactly like it is and look what he says to them. He said, but he answered and said, every plant my, which my heavenly father did not plant shall be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind and if a blind man guides a blind man, they will both fall into the pit. He says, look, they're guides. The Pharisees and the scribes call themselves guides of the people but Jesus calls them blind guides. And the truth is this, people without the truth will lead others astray. When you go away from the truths of the Bible, you're going to lead other people astray. Always stick with the Scripture, the Word of God. Somebody asked me the other day, and they said, J.B., how do you make up your sermons? I said, I don't make up sermons. You didn't come to hear a sermon. I'm not, I don't do sermons. I teach the Bible. I don't make up anything. I, I mean, I get to study during the week 
a passage of scripture, put it together, and then teach you the word of God and how to make application. But I don't sit in my office going, I wonder what I can talk about this week. No, I don't, I don't make up any of it. By the grace of God, it's there already. The hard part is studying it, putting it together, and then teaching it. That's what we're supposed to do. And so he said, leave them alone. Because if a blind man guides a blind man, they're going to both fall in the pit. And so they will lead others astray. Now, then Peter comes, and we'll finish very quickly here. Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And Jesus said, are you still lacking? You still don't get it? Don't you understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? He said, goes in and comes out. That's not the issue. He says, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and these defile the man. For out of the heart comes things like evil thoughts and murderers and adulteries and fornications and thefts and false witnesses and slanders. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands is not defile a man. Listen, out of the mouth, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful and wicked. That's where it comes from. It comes from the inside. And just remember that. So he says, listen, evil thoughts and murders and adultery, and we, we, I don't have to explain all those. You know what they are. You know what is a false witness and a thief and adulterers and fornication and, and evil thoughts and murders. You know what that is. That comes from within. These all come from within in a person. These are sins from the heart, from the inside. And by the way, it's, this is what? This is what we are. And we, 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 as a believer, we still have a conscience. We still have a soul. We have the body. We still have the bent to sin. We still have the power of the Holy Spirit, and we are a new creation in Christ. But this is where sin comes from. James says, where does sin come from? It didn't come from without sin. There may, there's temptations that come, but then it brings there's, there's our flesh, then sins, and there's death. And that's what we have. And so, bottom line, it's not, it's not. We can't blame our sin on others. It comes from inside. Jesus Christ says, it's not what goes in, but what comes out. And he's talking about, it's not whether you wash your hands right. It's not whether you do this or not. It's not whether you, what food you're going to eat that's going to defile you, because that's what they thought. He says, what defiles us is what comes from us. So the religious leaders confronted Jesus. They, they said, you broke our traditions. He goes, yeah, you're right. But you break the Bible with your traditions. And they said, well, we, he said, you, you have a gift called Corbin, which denies your father and mother to be taken care of. And Jesus said, understand sin comes from within. So let me, let me give, give you some applications. Let's realize that sin comes from within inside. That's where it comes from for us. And so here we get some things I want you to think about. Stop blaming others for our sin or even for your sin. Let's put it that way. We live in a culture that everybody is a victim nowadays. No matter what happens, oh, it's because of this. Well, Trump did this, and that's caused everybody else to do this. Or somebody else did this, and that caused everybody else to do this. Oh, I just can't help it because, see, I grew up in that neighborhood, and I never had a chance. Or, I'm, you know, this. everybody's a victim. Stop blaming other people for your own personal sins because our own personal sins come from within. Realize that we are accountable for our actions. We are accountable for our actions. And then, so walk in the Spirit. We're talking about believers here. Walk in the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's Galatians 5. It says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, Spirit against the flesh, are contrary one to another. Therefore, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's how you can gain the victory. The second thing is, let's be faithful to teach the truth. Traditions are fine, but they do not replace 
are become equal with the word of God. Just be sure about that. Legalism is a product of traditions. You've got to be really careful. People say, we've always done it this way. And if we've always done it this way, this is the only way. And if this is the only way, this means it's the right way. And so there is no other way. And if you do that or don't do that, you're wrong. And you've got to be really careful because legalism comes from traditions that are replacing. So what we have to do is take the time to study the Word of God and make application and always obey God's Word rather than traditions. It's okay to have traditions. But make sure that the Bible is the key that we live on and live through and live for. So examine our lives. Make sure we're living according to the Scripture.